Every time, every time I feel the Spirit. You start praying right away? Are you praying right now? Do you feel the Spirit? Do you start praying? I know sometimes when I feel the Spirit, I want to crawl under the covers. I want to say, God, I'm not sure I heard you the right way. One more, say what? One more time? Try again. You know, every time I hear the Spirit. Sometimes it's that joyful celebration, and other times it's, what? Really? That's what you want of me, God? That's what the Spirit's calling me to be a part of and urge me to do? Oh, let me get under the covers. You know, every time I heal the Spirit, oh my goodness gracious. And I've heard the Spirit, have you? Sometimes with that joy and that celebration. And sometimes just thinking, boy, that's going to require a leap of faith. You know, boy, a leap of faith. Am I ready to just leap? that far. Okay, God, keep talking. Maybe I need to hear it a second or a third time. And we're in this season of the scripture where we hear a lot of stories about Peter. And Peter has to be told over and over and over again, at least three times, like that I told you, I told you, I told you, I said so, I said so, I said so, because, because, because. Peter just has to be told at least three times for him to start to get it. And that's good news for us. Because we might not get it the first time or the second time, but it's okay that God keeps speaking to us and even peeks under the covers and says, it's time to come out, Troy. It's time to come out. Time to come out. Listen to the Spirit, and let's move forward. So in the vision that Peter has today, Peter has a vision before this part of the passage of a blanket coming down three times. You know, and on the blanket are all these things. He knows he's not supposed to eat. He knows they're taboo. He's not supposed to eat them. But each time the blanket comes down and there's a voice that says, take and eat. And Peter says, I know better than that. Say what? I'm not supposed to do that. You know, three times it comes down and Peter's still not convinced. Not sure what this means. But just has this vision, this dream. And not sure how to respond to it. An experience. Have you ever had an experience in your life before that, okay, this is what I felt, but what the heck? What's now? What's next? And sure enough, there's some strangers coming, knocking on the door. And say, we need you to come with us, go on a trip. I'd still be under the covers. I'm not going to go anywhere with any strangers knocking on the door after I've just had a vision. Peter's up for it and goes on his way. Boy, then we get into the story we have today. But I can't get too far without telling you a mom's story and talking some about how we relate with one another. Because all of these images in the scripture are how we relate with God and how we relate with each other and how sometimes we do need to be told three times. Sometimes we're just confused and bumble around and God's grace and spirit work our way through it and make it okay because we tried. God is in there with us in the trying. And so that song this morning, I, I loved it. Cassandra White posted it about a year ago, and I kept it in my folder until Mother's Day. I said, we need to use that. Part of what that song does for me is it reminds me of conversations I used to have with my mom. Okay, Every single one of those things was said before in my house. Yeah, but I used to have this sense or this feeling with my mom is that, uh, is that I was getting overwhelmed by her. It was just like flooding over me. 
And, and, and I didn't know what to do with the flood because it felt like I was going to drown. And, I, and I, so I, what I do is I started to uh, put up some barriers and actually shut down because I felt like mom was going to flood me with all the wonderful love she had to share and information and facts and data. Data about the lady up the street, data about the other lady at church, you know, information about their kids and how their kids were doing, people I didn't know. But mom needed to share them with me. You know, so when I was in college, I had Fridays off, and I would go over to the house, and we would watch General Hospital together. Luke and Laura time period. We would watch General Hospital together, and after General Hospital, I would get the report of everything that was going on everywhere with anyone that my mom had come in contact with. <sighs> And so, since I didn't know how long it was going to last, I would start to shut down. And one day, I finally said, you know, Mom, this isn't working for me. You know, I was kind and tried to be loving and said, I start to stop paying attention. I'm not sure exactly when it is, you know, around the hundredth detail, you know, you know, because I think I might be getting tested on it later. And I'm not sure if I'm supposed to remember this or not. So, help, help me. And she cried. You know, she cried, because for her, that's what love was. Love was sharing every detail of the day, in every moment and every counter that it happened. And since it had been a whole week, there was a whole week of details. You know, and so I shared this story when I was uh, at a therapist conference. I went for continuing education training just at college time, and it was Imago therapy. Have you all heard of this? Mago therapy, pretty popular uh, therapy uh, treatments for couples and that sort of stuff. And so the teacher said something that made me connect. And it reminded me of those Fridays with mom. You know, that I would never give up, but those Fridays with mom. And so during the Q&A, I got up and I said, I don't even remember what I said, that it was something about those Fridays and the flooded feeling and the shutting down kind of dynamic going on, and, and, and the therapist said something. So then we took a break. And then what happened was, every mother in the seminar, every mother in the seminar found me. <laughs> every mother. Talk about just being flooded by one mother. Try all of those in the seminar, because somewhere they had had this challenge in their relationship with their kids. You know? They wanted to love their kids. They didn't want to shut them down. And they wanted the relationship to work both ways. So it was fascinating. I made it. I survived it through the rest of the workshop. But it was really startling to me that they all came forward to say, yep, we know what that is. Help me talk to my son. I said, I don't have any answers yet. Let the spirit come and show us a way. Because I don't have the answers yet. Back at that same time, um, in Sharpstown at our church youth group, we would do these sort of communication classes to help young people get a handle on how they were relating to the world and maybe give them some tools to get out. Because you know when you leave that family, you take with you the tools you learned in that family. Whether they work or not, whether they're good or not, you take whatever those tools were you learned from your family, and you're going to try it because it's the way you knew how to relate, and it's the way the world's supposed to be. And someone goes, say what? But you try it again, because it's the way the world's supposed to be. 
and again and again. And so, ultimately, at some point in time, someone probably looks you in the face and asks you, how many times have you done that? How many times have you dated someone for exactly seven weeks and broken up? You know, there's one consistent thing in all of those relationships. Not that they break up at seven weeks, but that you're in every one of those relationships. <laughs> Say what? Sometimes the truth just comes and you realize you've been trying and using old patterns and methods and ways of being that might need to shift. The spirit comes in and offers a different way, but we might be too interested in crawling under the covers instead of looking at the message God's given on top of the covers saying, don't call anything unclean that I've called clean. Don't do it. All of it's for you. So here we are in this passage, whether we've been flooded or not, and what might be trying to told to us, we're not sure, and what tools do we need? And so in those junior high classes, we would do transactional analysis. Any of you remember that? Eric Byrne, transactional analysis, and it was all this, I'm okay, you're okay, is what the optimal communication was. But it said too often we're in a communication that's like, I'm okay, you're not okay. Got it? Or I'm not okay, but I think you're okay. Okay? And he would go through these analysis of every word in a conversation, every sentence, to figure out how you were relating in conversations and with people. You know? And what I want to say to you here today, we're, we're entering another baptism story where we're told over and over again that we're okay. And that everyone else is okay too. That that's the relationship. That's how we begin. That's how God sees us. And that's how God wants us to see ourselves. And then we go back into whatever we've learned into this not okay place again. And so we were trying to help the junior high kids and the high schoolers with some of this language and learn how to switch it around a bit. We even talked to them. Sometimes they would respond out of being like a child again you know, in their relationships with others? Have you ever found yourself sometimes when you go home and you're acting like you're 10 again? You know, it can happen even when you've been gone a long time. It can still happen. But this parent, adult, child thing, and they would take these conversations and they'd map them out. And every sentence or a couple of sentences, they would say whether it was out of a parent, an adult, or a child position. And then they would grade you. Okay, so you have 30 of these, you look at it, and they say, do you realize that 90% of the time you respond out of a child position? Say, what? I'm an adult now. You know what? You're not communicating like an adult. What might we learn? What might the Spirit be telling you to shift and change in the way you communicate with one another? And sometimes you're just not aware because it's what we've learned. But the Spirit is present with all of us to help us move forward and to shift the way we are being. Can we be open to that Spirit? Can we come out from under the covers and say, okay, what do you have to teach me today? Peter does. The strangers come and he goes with them. He takes a trip. He goes to a place where he also knows he's not supposed to be. Because these are people in a different culture, a different faith. They have different eating habits. They do different things with their private parts than we do. You know, so what's going on that he goes in such a way? Not sure why he's being called there. 
But Peter gets up and goes. He's had an experience. He doesn't know what to do with it. And he gets an invitation. So he takes a trip. He takes a trip to the Gentiles, the ones that they're not supposed to be with, the ones that are supposed to be unclean. After he's had this dream about don't call anything unclean. So he goes on the trip. He goes into this family's home. And I want you to imagine as this cross-cultural experience, you know, Peter didn't get any sensitivity training. He didn't take any classes on what to say or not say. We don't even know what the primary language of the house was, whether it was Latin or Greek or Hebrew. We don't know what they were even speaking. And even if they spoke a language in common that they could really kind of connect on, so Peter just bumbles in. He bumbles into this experience because he's not sure what he's being called to do yet. So he does what he knows to do. He talks about Jesus. He tells them the story. And in the middle of telling them the story, they call it preaching in the Bible. Imagine that. In the middle of his preaching, the Holy Spirit falls on these people. The people he's not supposed to be even in their home. He doesn't know the house rules, so he doesn't know if this is normal or not. You know, what goes on in this place? Here's the Holy Spirit falling on the Gentiles. What am I supposed to do now? The circumcised ones, you saw that in the scripture, were with him, because you know we were interested in private parts back then. Just back then, not now, but back then. Interested in what you did with your private parts. So the circumcised one says, they don't have their private parts in order. You know, what is Peter doing? Letting the Holy Spirit fall on them. And Peter says, what can keep me? God's already done this. God has already blessed them. God has already had the Spirit fall upon them, regardless of what their private parts are like. Why don't I baptize them? Why don't I find some water and baptize them? You know, what's to keep me from doing that? All the old rules, all the culture, all the customs said no. But Peter had had an experience that led to him taking a chance. When he took the chance, then he had another experience. Then all of a sudden he says, what can I do to participate in what the Holy Spirit is doing? And so he finds water and he baptizes them. Some of us come from traditions when we say, what's going on? That's not how you do it. You know, you go through catechism, right? <laughs> Or, or you take confirmation classes, you finally convert, you take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. After that, then we might talk a little bit longer. And then once you've had a different experience, we'll invite you to the front of the church and we'll dunk your whole body in the water. That's how it's supposed to happen. It's not how it happened in the book of Acts. But I know how it's supposed to happen. You know? Some other traditions are just as stiff about the way they do it, too. You know? Did y'all read the story about the Episcopal Church this last week that refused baptism of a baby because the parents were of the same gender? We think we've come a long way. We think we've come a long way. But here's an Episcopal Church. That's the denomination that's supposed to be leading the rest of these mainstream ones to be accepting. 
And they wouldn't baptize the baby because the two parents were, their private parts weren't the way they liked them. Still, now, today, baptism isn't meant to be a barrier or a hoop that people jump through. It's supposed to be a sign that everything else you've been taught to do is washed away. God loves you and you have access regardless. God loves you and you have access regardless. This is the true message of being baptism. No more hurt, no more harm. And I'll even do everything for you ahead of time. Send the Holy Spirit down. You know, and if the others don't see it, they're not paying attention to the vision that I've put down before each and every one of them. So what has Peter done? He's lived out our current vision statement. If y'all have read our vision statement recently, it says this, to boldly experience, engage, and embody our faith to transform ourselves and the world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. Experience, engage, embody. Peter had an experience. And after that experience, he took a risk to engage in a way he had never engaged before. And in the middle of that engagement, got a challenge. The challenge was, it looks like God's doing something new here. Am I on board? And Peter embodied it by baptizing the people who were there. Experience, embody, and engage. Last week, we had the same kind of story with the eunuch. Again, people worried about the private parts. So the scripture tells the story of a eunuch who Philip experiences the scripture with. And they engage one another, and then they embody it through baptism. Oh, goodness, what's God trying to tell us in the book of Acts? Where in your life these days are we more concerned with our private parts than we are about hearing the message of God's inclusive love for everyone, for all families, no matter what they look like? Where is it in our life that we're backing up into legalism instead of God's experience that trumps every kind of legalism there is around. You believe that? Can you trust that? Can you trust that your experience is direct communication with the divine and in that moment, in that place, is holy and trumps anything else anyone ever says to you? That's God working in your lives and in the lives of the world. You have that access. You have that access through baptism, without baptism, whether they dunked you under, threw water at you, or just breathed on you. You have that access. Because I don't think God cares the quantity of water, or even if water was used. What God cares about is that you're open to the experience of God. And once you've experienced it, that you decide to engage it. And after engaging it, feel it deep down in your body. That's Jesus coming right into your home, no matter what the house rules are, saying, I'm taking action now. Everybody's welcome. Thanks be to God. Amen.